You are listening to the Fancy Free Podcast, where my guests and I share our most embarrassing, funny stories so that we all feel less alone in our imperfections and forge connection through vulnerability and humor. I'm Joanne Jarrett, and I'm your host, and today I have with me Lola. We're not giving a last name because she would like to remain anonymous, but Lola is a pathologist and... For information, this encompasses a wide field that typically includes autopsies, but she specifically looks at slides of samples from live patients like skin biopsies, organ biopsies, etc. Lola, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. (laughs) And fill in the blanks. What else can you tell us about who you are and what you do? I'm a pathologist, so that's an MD. So some people think about speech pathology, I think, Mm -hmm. when I say pathology. So we go to medical school. There's a four-year residency, and then most people end up doing a fellowship. And it's a very broad specialty. So some people go into like blood banking. Some people do only autopsies. That would be like your forensic pathologist. And most pathologists, I think people don't realize, look at laboratory data, biopsies and organs. And so if you ever go get something done at the hospital and it gets taken out, somebody actually goes and looks at that. They don't just like throw away your gallbladder. It's the invisible (laughs) doctor that nobody knows. And if they find something malignant, it's because a pathologist has looked at your slide or your specimen or whatever. So it's kind of this invisible specialty that people don't often know about. Yes. And that includes physicians. I have always been very curious about the specialty of pathology because I think I chose my specialty incorrectly. <laughs> it was just too much all all encompassing and so general. And I felt like People could come in and give me a list of 20 things they had concerns about. And it was just, it was my obligation to address them all. Not necessarily in one appointment, but at least you have to like triage them. And I loved it while I was practicing. I always say I should have either been a pathologist or a dermatologist, but I'm honestly, I don't, didn't know a whole lot about what pathologists do, except for that I have spoken to many when I've had questions about a lab result or a biopsy result. And so, you know, the primary care physicians or all physicians are so glad that you guys are doing that because obviously it's super important. But yeah, you're totally behind the scenes. So even other doctors don't really know what your day-to-day life looks like necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Most physicians don't know that um, I'd quit and be doing a podcast in the middle of the day. (laughs) Right. It's like, ah, those slides can wait. (laughs) It's true. And that's why I like it. The slides aren't, you know, staring at you like, what are you going to see me? I mean, you want to get things done in a timely manner, but there's a little bit of flexibility. So I do like that. And having a, a bunch of patients telling me like 20 things that's going on in their lives sounds like a nightmare. So I'm glad there's people that can handle that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I liked it while I did it and I could do it, but I couldn't do it and be a good mom and a good wife and have the kind of home life that I wanted. And so I just had something had to give, but while I was doing it, it was very satisfying. And the people connection is what I love. So probably dermatology would have been more at my alley because there's still continuity, still some procedures, right? you know, not, not as many life and death things. And you know, yeah. I could have a heart attack, walk into the office at 5 p.m. And my husband can have a toothache, walk into his office at 5 p.m. And then who's going to take care of the kids? You know, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't good. Yeah. So do you do operating room frozen sections or do you do all stuff that can wait? Yeah. So um, there are days where I'll be at the hospital and we'll be very busy and have all kinds of frozen sections. And that's more of like a right now thing because the patient's under anesthesia, right? 
Right. And so that could be anything from like a brain tumor to an ovarian neoplasm. And so you kind of have to know a little bit about everything. So you still have to have quite a breadth of knowledge about what different tumors look like. And, you know, it's impossible to know everything. So we actually have little cameras set up to our microscope and we can call our colleagues and say, hey, can you look at this real quick? And so sometimes we do consult each other. Yeah, it's really cool. It's like the next step in digital pathology. That's awesome. So you can kind of crowdsource it if you're not exactly sure you want to know what someone else thinks. Right. Interesting. Okay. Well, awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much for doing what you do. And um, yeah, maybe in my next life, I will Nah, Come back as a pathologist. Old yeah, <laughs> too old and lazy to do it in this life, but <laughs> go into finance. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not even very good with our own bills, so that's a no for me. That's a no for me, dog. Buy buy some crypto. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's do your rapid fire questions. Have you ever met a celebrity? Yeah, I walked past Hank Azaria one time in New York City, mm-hmm. and I was. I just kind of thought like, oh, that guy kind of looks like Hank Azaria. And then the people that were walking behind us go, Hank Azaria. And he turned around and smiled and just kept walking. It was like the best. <laughs> he must have been on his way to like a a read or something. I don't know. Yeah, nice. I, I, I always am curious about how celebrities respond. I think that I would probably just quietly observe like you did because it's like, man, if you have one of those faces that's just known by everybody, can you ever like get anywhere? You know, I know. Like I, I always feel bad about like interrupting or or whatever. And I guess it kind of depends on like who the celebrity is or what the situation is. You know? Yeah, because you know they signed up for that to a certain extent. Yeah, I mean, if they're in a very private like setting or whatever. Um, for instance, oh my God, this is one. One time we saw I, I was at like a pathology meeting or whatever. And it was kind of a a smaller group, like 15 people or so. And we were in Chicago and we had a dinner meeting at Mike Ditka's steakhouse. And Ditka was actually upstairs hanging out with a table of his friends. And of course, you know, we saw him and I didn't want to bother him. So I kind of like kept walking, but some of the guys in our group were like, Oh, Mike Dicka. And they wanted to get a picture and stuff. And this, Oh my God, he, he looks so angry in the picture. And then, Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. So we saw him on the way to our like private room and he did take a picture with, you know, some of the guys and then he, he and his group got up and left and went somewhere else. So I don't know what happened, but he looked really pissed. Yeah. If you don't want to be spotted, I guess you just need to close the door. (laughs) I know. Well, yeah, it was sort of a weird situation because he was up in like this open area. So it wasn't like we were walking past his private room. It was like you had to walk through this open area to get to our room. And he would have known, I I would think that there was like a private group coming in. So it's kind of on him. Yeah. And you know what? The reason why your rest, partially the reason why your restaurant is successful is because you're a celebrity. And so that and carries it's the with name. It, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's the thing. It's, it's a whole thing. All righty. What, what TV show are you hooked on or what's been your favorite binge? Man, I just binged uh, Peaky Blinders and that's such a good show. One of my favorites. Oh my gosh. Please tell me a little bit about that. So it stars Cillian Murphy, who was in like one of the Batman movies from like the early 2000s, maybe. He's the tall, dark and handsome, has the really bright blue eyes. And he played like the crazy scientist or something. I can't remember what his character was. But anyway, so he's the main character in Peaky Blinders. And it's kind of set post-World War One. It's a group of guys in England and it's this family. And their background is like gypsy or Romani people. And they kind of develop a gang and they have their 
their hand in kind of a little bit of everything. So they're like bootleggers and they're dealing with gambling and stuff. And so the whole series is about their rise to power and and money. And it's just uh, really interesting. And there's a lot of kind of mind games and action. And uh, it almost reminds me of Game of Thrones in, in terms of like thinking two steps ahead, like, oh, I didn't uh, know he was going to do that. So that's really interesting. The strategy. Yeah, but the Peaky Blinders is the um they wear these like newsboy type caps and they have uh razor blades sewn in the top or I guess the peak. I don't I don't know how technical of a term that is, but they will throw their um hats or use their hats to slash, you know, in fights or whatever. So that's wow. where the name comes from. They would okay. slash across the eyes to blind. Ooh. And I looked this up. The show isn't all based on historical fact, but there's like a little bit of like like a thread of 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 history that's actually true mm-hmm. and that's so it's, it's interesting. Okay, that is definitely but, not what I was thinking of when you said Peaky Blinders. How interesting. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. I'm going to have to check it out for sure. Yeah. Okay, what is your your strangest family tradition? Several years ago, my sister caught a turkey toy at a Mardi Gras parade and it's a it's a turkey that looks like a Thanksgiving turkey. It's like it's like a little stuffed animal, but it mm-hmm. sings jingle bells, so we called it Christmas turkey. And we bring him out every year for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, and he kind of, it's kind of annoying, actually. He just sings jingle bells and gobbles. Um, and then the other tradition that I started was uh, we do fried chicken for Thanksgiving instead of turkey. Because let's be real, nobody likes turkey. That sounds <laughs> yeah. fabulous. You can still have all the other side dishes and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, much better. It's hard to make fried chicken for a big group. Do you do bone-in fried chicken or do you do breast strips or what do you make? Oh, no. I go to um, Popeye's and I get it the day before and then we reheat it. <laughs> oh, you're so smart. But, so we're not really cooking like, that I much. Don't, I don't make it. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I, I actually love to cook, but, you know, for the holiday, it's kind of nice to have a break. I mean, if you work full time, you don't want to, like, have your day off it's in the huge. kitchen. Yeah. So. I don't know. I actually do love cooking. And I grew up with my grandma making homemade biscuits. And then we would Mm. crumble the biscuits and cornbread and make the homemade dressing and all that stuff. But, um, you know, I kind of Popeye's fried chicken is fine. Anyway, my husband gets so annoyed with that. But (laughs) it's fine. (laughs) That's funny. Okay, what's the most amazing thing you've ever won? Probably not the Jingle Bell turkey. Oh, no. Um, well, and that was my sister, yeah. Um, <laughs> I won. I got an Apple Watch a few years ago. <gasps> what? It was like one of the welcome parties that we have for our new physicians at our hospital. And I never won anything like in a raffle, but um, I put like all my tickets in for the Apple Watch. And they actually drew like three names before me and nobody claimed it. So <laughs> I uh, I saved my tickets and, and you know, because they'd give everybody a day. So it was like four days later and they drew my name. Because like, so like, like, <laughs> of course, nobody else kept their tickets. I'm like the only idiot that kept my tickets. So anyway, but I got my Apple Watch. Okay. What I have to say about that is you could have put one ticket in each and gotten like five things then. <laughs> I I mean, if I'd gotten lucky, there's no way. There's no way that would have happened. And then they quit doing the the raffles after that. So I think that was the last year they, you know, and it would be like a purse or a cooler with treats or whatever. But um, anyway, I thought the Apple Watch was the best value. Real good. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good, good, good. Okay, what commercial jingle gets stuck in your head? Oh, gosh. Um, this is random, but the uh, I got my baby back, baby back. <laughs> 
<laughs> the chilies. <laughs> yes. And I don't even know if they play that anymore, but my husband know, and I always, we randomly sing it. <laughs> it'll, yeah, it'll live, live forever in your household, whether they still use it or not. For- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's always, I feel like every household's got some kind of weird random jingle that they sing. Yes, I agree that you're you're right. I can't think of what ours is at the moment, but we do a lot of movie quotes and most of them are from Tommy Boy, but <laughs> Oh, funny. That's a good yeah, one. Love it. Okay, well, as you know, the point of this podcast is to share some not so fancy moments, even though some people might think we're fancy based on our titles or just knowing us superficially, we all have them. So what do you have today for us? <laughs> uh all right. So this is the story of the diarrhea bandit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it already. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a catchy uh, moniker. I do feel it's important to share the story, even though I'm sharing it anonymously, because it might help somebody else. Okay, good. So when I was 18, it was my freshman year in college. And you know, you're taking a lot of classes and you have high expectations and everything. So, you know, I'd say I was pretty stressed, you know, with school trying to keep a an A average and everything. And then, you know, you're at a new place, you're meeting new people, and you're involved in new things. So it was a fairly stressful um, first semester. But it, I don't think I realized I was stressed. I was just keeping myself so busy. I, I think that happens maybe even now. I mean, I think I'm better at time management. But I think I sometimes don't realize when I'm getting stressed, I just kind of handle it. And I think that probably is fairly common for a lot of women. We just keep yeah. taking things on and, and we don't realize that it's too much until we like have a nervous breakdown. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, so I was at the end of the semester. So it was getting really close to like exam time and, and all that. And sort of towards the beginning of the year, I had met this guy and we had been dating. So we met like pretty close to the beginning of school. So this is like several months into a relationship. And he lived in a small fraternity house that only had like three guys in it. So it was like kind of an off-campus house. And um, yeah, it was it's sort of a smaller school anyway. There were only three guys that lived there. So it was more like a house with roommates than like a true fraternity house. But I lived in the dorm and I had a roommate. And so I would stay at the fraternity house. You know, if we Mm -hmm. had a party or get together or something, I would just stay and crash at his place. Well, I guess, you know, all the stress had been building up and I kind of didn't realize what was going on. But I was waking up in the middle of the night and uh, later I ended up getting diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. (laughs) Oh, man. As a former family practice physician, you you know what the symptoms are with ulcerative colitis. So a lot of times you end up getting woken up in the middle of the night with an urgency to go to the bathroom. And sometimes it's something comes out, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's just mm-hmm. uh, that that uh, feeling of, of urgency. But anyway, I basically had explosive diarrhea. <laughs> it's like the only way to explain it. So this would be at like, you know, 3 a.m. or whatever. I would quietly get out of bed, go to the bathroom. The bathroom was like a separate bathroom so it didn't attach directly to anybody's room or anything it was just like you went out in the hallway uh yeah i know right so i'd have my little episode (laughs) and then i would try to like you know clean up as well as i could and and this is a frat house still so i mean it wasn't like the cleanest place anyway wash my hands go back to bed so this went on for several weeks maybe a couple months i don't i can't remember the exact timeline uh (laughs) i i feel like i went home and got my colonoscopy and got diagnosed over christmas so maybe i 
Maybe this was happening a few weeks before exams even. But anyway, so one time I was hanging out with the uh, fraternity guys and I hear uh, somebody mentioned the diarrhea bandit. And I'm like, what? Like, so I didn't say anything because I'm like kind of internally scared that this has something to do with me. So I find out and, and I kind of piece the story together a little bit late. So several years later, when I was friends with all these guys, and we kind of talked about the story again later. But I guess when I, you know, if I had my little explosive diarrhea episode, uh, I would clean the top if anything splashed on the top of the seat, but I wasn't lifting the seat up or cleaning inside the bowl. And the... um the pledges for the fraternity were the ones who had to do cleaning in the house. And so I guess the pledges started realizing that there is somebody that is having explosive diarrhea and it's been blowing up the bowl, but they could not figure out who it was. And they had, I didn't realize this till years later, but they had even mentioned this in chapter meetings. This is a fraternity Sunday night chapter meeting. They are having like a, uh, probably in other news or, or what is it? New, new news table old discussion uh who's the diarrhea so they named this person the diarrhea bandit is it written on the agenda is it yeah probably they probably weren't as organized as that they i don't think they had anything written down but yeah so Uh so they were discussing in chapter like all right who's blowing up the bowl and and what's going on and nobody would admit it and i think eventually the guy i was dating and we, and we dated for 3 years he was a great guy <laughs> i think eventually he kind of realized that i was getting up in the middle of the night using the bathroom you know you hear the flush he probably started putting it all together <laughs> and so i think he realized it was me but he didn't he wanted to save me the embarrassment. So he actually finally, after like, I don't know, a month of this or whatever, he told the guys like, all right, it's me. I've been having oh. a lot of issues. <laughs> he he oh. took the blame. But I the thing, I, I know, isn't that really, he's, he's that kind of guy. He's really sweet. But, um, oh. He, uh, he, you know, he took the blame, but some of the guys wouldn't believe him. So some of them still claimed that there was an unknown diarrhea bandit. So um, I'm surprised they didn't like force any of the pledges to like stay up all night to like figure it out, <laughs> yeah, or, or like, <laughs> yeah, or like put in a. Uh, <laughs> and that shower was nasty. That's a place Ew. I would definitely never take a shower. Um, so so anyway, this was years and years, and then it just kind of faded away and of course I ended up um, getting my diagnosis and I started on medication and then the the you know explosive diarrhea slowly dissipated but uh, (laughs) uh, so that's so I and I didn't realize till like years later when I was hanging out with some of my friends that were in that fraternity I didn't know all these details and I was just mortified that they discussed this in chapter and that uh, you know some people had theories that I was a diarrhea bandit and some people thought that it was my ex-boyfriend that was the diarrhea abandoned and so uh you know my my good friends who know uh we still joke about it and uh about the diarrhea abandoned and it's funny because this morning I had a literal show at my house oh no (laughs) I was supposed to give a lecture 
and it was like right 7.30 on the dot. My lecture was supposed to start and I hate, we have a one-year-old. I handed her to my husband and I was like, why is her pant leg wet? And I turned oh. her around and she has like a brown spot. So she had like shat in her pants and like, you know, you need two people oh, to no. clean that kind of thing up. So you got to have one person hold the baby, the other person like wiping it off. So I kind of thought my husband could handle it. And then he starts gagging and I'm like, really? What? Who made you a surgeon? He's a surgeon. It's like, shouldn't you be able to like handle bad smells? So anyway, yeah. um, we switched. And I have to know you handle that in the OR all the time. Or hopefully I know. Happens. I guess I probably uh, encounter more uh, more bowels with poop in them than he does. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so I, I had to clean her up and, and then I kind of left her with him. And then my other kids like, mommy, I want a kiss. I want a hug. And I'm like, kid, I've got to go do this lecture. So anyway, I just <laughs> told the poor resident, sorry, I had a literal <laughs> but um it's yeah. still so anyway a different version <laughs> yes yes and i texted uh, my friend from college and she goes oh she just takes after you just a little diarrhea bandit <laughs> but anyway you're not really a bandit if i know it's you so now she's got to do you know figure out That's how to be right. sneaky yeah, yeah she, she's, it's gonna it's gonna be years before she figures out how to keep that from you Yeah. But anyway, so if you are experiencing any kind of um, explosive diarrhea, that is a symptom of something and you should talk to your doctor. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Very good public service announcement. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Well, I have an 18-year-old daughter who's leaving for college in two weeks. So this story is especially... Well, I was going to say poignant, but um, that doesn't seem like the right word for a diary- <laughs> diarrhea bandit story. But you know what I mean. I'm like, yeah. oh, so I'm thinking of you in terms of like being your mom and going, oh, this, she's dealing with this. And I know. Oh, my gosh. I don't know why I didn't like say something sooner. I think I just thought like, oh, this is just it'll pass. You know, you don't you don't think about those things when you're 18. You're not like, oh, is this a symptom of something or do I need to right you know and then fast forward several years to first year med school and we think everything is something that we have like I know so many of us (laughs) yes do I have lupus yes (laughs) what is wrong with me or you're diagnosed you're like what of the dsm-5 do I have (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) diagnosing all your loved ones yes oh my gosh okay I'm sorry that happened to you. I'm glad that it didn't embarrass you in the moment that it didn't get to embarrass you until you were older and more mature and could laugh about it. So yeah, yeah. (laughs) So cute. If you like to rip your bra off when you're finally home for the day, you're just like me. But I don't like my boobs to be all akimbo in a million directions, and I don't want to terrorize the UPS man. So I came up with shelfies, which are super soft, cozy, built-in shelf bra loungewear. Each shelf bra has just enough thickness for nipple coverage, separate cups, which are built-in for good separation, and just enough lift for some support. Super comfy. We now have long sleeve styles without pockets, short sleeve styles without pockets. Those are new and we are developing a plus line. So that will be coming up soon. But if you'd like to check it out, go to shelfieshop.com. That's S-H-E-L-F-I-E-S-H-O-P-P-E.com. Not because we're fancy, but because plain shop was taken. (laughs) If you'd like to get 10% off your order, use the code FANCYFREE. Shipping is free, and I think you'll love them. 
have a life hack for the listeners. My husband actually taught me this, but if you end up having um, any like delays or issues, and this is on any airline, you know, if it's weather, you can't really get anything out of the airlines for it. But if the delay is on their part because of maintenance or, or staffing issues or whatever, you can always email the airline later. And, you know, you kind of have to detail your story and sound a little whiny, but they almost always give you like a voucher. And we've had a lot of issues with flights lately, and you always get something out of it. What, email like customer service and just get the ball rolling? Yeah. For instance, we just went on a trip and there was a huge delay and it was a trip out of Europe. And so the EU passed that law a few years ago, I guess, that um, if you have a delay of a certain amount of time, you're entitled to X amount of money. And so ours was like the maximum delay. So United should give us like, I think it's like $600 back per ticket. Um, So we have three tickets. And United sent this email and they were like, we're so sorry about your problems. And um, here's $200 to say sorry or whatever. So we had to actually email them back and say, no, it should be $600. So, you know, a lot of people probably just accepted the $200 and moved on. Right. Not knowing what they're entitled to. Yeah, exactly. So sometimes you actually have to email back and kind of argue with them about it. So it takes a little time, but we do it and we always get money back. So sometimes it's like $100 in a voucher. Sometimes it's $200 in a voucher, 300 and and you get it per ticket. So, you know, if you've got a family of four, it really adds up. And I mean, the downside is you have to fly Delta again or whoever it is. But, (laughs) but, you know, there are only so many choices. So eventually you're going to do it. You're going to be on that airline again anyway. Right. Yeah. Awesome. That's, that's a great one. Yeah. You got to assume you're entitled for more th- than they're offering and don't feel bad about it because that's all worked into their bottom line. Yeah. And that and that's another point, like always ask for more. And if they offer you less, that's fine. But uh, and, and that's with jobs and anything. Always ask for yeah, more. Why not? Absolutely. Whatever. And I think, you know, people who are young um, maybe don't have the just hearing that. It's like, no, do it. It's OK. You don't have to feel embarrassed yeah, or just see or what mad. happens. You just, know? Yeah, just just do it. And you'll be surprised to be pleasant. It's like crashing surprised. a wedding. Just walk right in. You know, if you get caught. Eh. <laughs> hey, you can always back up. You can always back up. <laughs> what is one surprising thing about you that no one would know just by looking? Oh, I love. Well, maybe they would know it. But looking, I don't know. But um, I love true crime and murder podcasts. Yes. So okay. I like... Imagine you would know that by looking at someone. Maybe. <laughs> Probably not. But, but um, okay. What's your favorite? I really love my favorite murder. That was kind of the the main one that got me into it. And I, they have mm-hmm. a huge fan base. So I know a lot of people are probably familiar with them. And then there's a podcast called Case File True Crime. And I think a lot of people don't know about that one, but it's this anonymous Australian guy. And he just gets so detailed about the evidence in each case. And he presents the case really well. So it's that's another one of my favorites. But I mean, I listen to all of them. So Awesome. I'm definitely going to check that out. I just listened to a, an episode of Crime Junkies driving here. So Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah, I like that one a lot. I like the heart of that one because the aim is to, it's like cautionary tales and let's help this be solved. And you know what I right. mean? So it's like, it's not, right. and you don't just feel like you're a rubbernecker looking, you know, thinking about something. Yeah, I, I sort of feel that way about My Favorite Murder as as well. That one's kind of a, a more fun one, um, but they talk about a lot of the injustices associated with why 
certain crimes were never solved or why nobody took this seriously. And they learn and grow as people as the podcast progresses. So um, that's I appreciate that, too. There's one that I recently, I've only listened to one episode, but I think it's going to be interesting. It's called Music City 911. And it's somebody who goes over 911 calls. And I have always said, I think I definitely am not someone who is good with adrenaline. I was not cut out to be an ER doctor. I was Mm -hmm. not cut out to be a trauma surgeon. I know this about myself. But so I feel especially sorry for these people. And I know some of them have the nature where like my husband's really good with adrenaline. He makes him smarter and faster. It just makes me bumble. I got to be able to sit at my desk and think. Right. But I've known a few 911 operators in my life. And I've thought, you know, the worst part wouldn't even be the adrenaline. For me, the worst part would be the open end. Like I need to like what happened? I would be constantly digging. Yes. Like Googling. Yes. Or like, yes, I don't know. At at least I don't know. Back when I was practicing medicine, you could at least like, you know, if you admitted somebody to the hospital and you wondered what how their case went because you were off the case, you could at least like look at the discharge summary or, you know, figure out something. But I hate that. I do not like stories that don't have an end or or, or a solution. I feel like if I was a 911 operator, I'd be like wanting to call 911 for that person and be like, oh, wait, that's me. <laughs> you need to call 911. You need oh, some crap. help. You, you need real help. <laughs> I, I'm not going to yeah. walk you through this. <laughs> I, um, I like avoid. Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so, yeah. It's. I like don't wear a white coat in the hospital anymore because I don't uh, want to be asked for help. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm like, or, or on an airplane, speaking of airplanes, I'm like, you know what? I haven't uh, been practicing medicine in 20 years. If I'm your best option, we're screwed. I mean, I will try. I am. Yeah. I do okay. Do. So that happened to me once. No. <laughs> this is probably a whole other story. I This is like right after I graduated med school. So I have been, I've been a doctor for like six or eight months now. Oh, and I'm gosh. on this airplane and I'm, I'm actually like reading a medical journal or something because I was studying for something. And uh, they came on overhead and they said, if there's a doctor on this flight, please press your button, like the flight attendant button. And so the lady next to me, like, looks at the book that I'm reading, looks at me, looks at the book. And I, like, kind of look at her. And then I look at the button and I waited because I was like, surely somebody else, somebody somebody else more qualified. And so nobody rang their thing. And I mean, I waited for, like, long enough where somebody could have rang their bell. So Mm -hmm. I was like, all right please be an autopsy. And I like slowly reached up and (laughs) pressed my button. And so the flight attendant comes up to me and she goes, okay, you know, this gentleman, and he was like two rows behind me. She goes, this gentleman has diabetes. He forgot his, oh no, no, his insulin needle broke. It like, I I don't know how he broke it, but you know, it's kind of that like TB looking needle and it was just completely Mm -hmm. broken. So there was no fixing it. And his sugar was high. And he needed to give himself insulin. And I said, what's your sugar? Why did I even ask? I forgot like what high sugar is. And he said like 300 something. And I'm thinking, okay, when do you go into ketoacidosis? I cannot remember. And I was How like, bad all is right. This gonna get? How long? So, yeah, yeah. Get? I was like, what am I going to have to do here? So the, the flight attendant goes, you know, we might have a needle that he can use in this um, first aid kit, but we have to open it in the presence of a doctor, which is so weird to me because what are they going to do with the first aid kit when there's no doctor on the flight? You just oh, can't open it. It's not, so I mean, I, then they need to have a doctor on every flight, just like they have a security I know. Guard so I don't know. I thought that, I thought that was weird. So I don't know if I misunderstood the rule or whatever. Maybe you can have a flight attendant um, write, 
write to you. But uh, anyway, so I, you know, she opened the kit in front of me. I looked around. They, all they had was like a huge, like needle gauge needle. They didn't have anything like small, start, like a wide bore RV, IV. Yeah, yeah, like I could stab him in the heart with some insulin, uh, the rock <laughs> style or whatever. But uh, I told I told him I said, listen, and of course this guy is like drinking cranberry juice. I was like, just oh, brother, don't drink or it. eat anything else. I was like, just have water until you land, you know, and then kind of check your your sugars or whatever. So he ended up doing fine, and and they gave me a bottle of wine for my trouble. But the whole oh. time on the flight, I was like, please don't die. <laughs> like oh. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Sweating it and ears perked up to back there. Like, I know, and I was just like, I am not prepared for this. But I didn't, you know, I didn't want to like not ring my bell but anyway mm-hmm. i know i, that's I think be- the lady next to me would have kept it a secret <laughs> she kind of i could tell she's kind of <laughs> like i don't like, know about this <laughs> do you want me to out you or not oh my gosh. i know <laughs> she seemed I cool a- shout out to that lady <laughs> yeah nice lady nice move way to be discreet <laughs> i know <laughs> oh my gosh yeah that i heard recently that i think it was a i don't know i'm a member of a bunch of different doctor facebook groups which is i think how we hooked up but i think recently um there was a pmg conference uh, physician mom group conference and one of the lectures was in flight emergencies and it was by an oh. anesthesiologist and i was like i need Ooh. to take that le- i need to take that class because oh I, yeah you know, it, 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 you know, you want to help if you can, but man, I'm feeling rusty. Yeah. I mean, I've always, you've probably thought about this scenario before, but I've always thought what, what would I do if somebody has to deliver a baby and there's nobody around? <laughs> Cause I never really did. Well, I could deliver a baby in my sleep. Uh, I, I tried to only do the C-sections cause I liked operating, but I didn't like, uh, you know, catching uh-huh. the babies and stuff. I mean, I, It'd probably be fine, but I'd be like scarred. I don't know. Yeah, it, it would be. You'd be so scared, and it's it's not a fast process sometimes. So it's like I prolonged know. fear. Well, I um I delivered as many babies as I could in medical school and residency because I loved it, but I knew that I didn't want the lifestyle, so I didn't end up right. going into OB. But I absolutely loved it, and um Aww. yes, but there are there are things like that. It wouldn't be a delivery for me. It would be, you know, something like a seizure or choking or something that would be right. really scary for me. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, this yeah, world, there's this just world, a lot a of things place. that can go wrong. <laughs> so many things can go wrong. And people do not. That's okay. Here's a whole nother side rant. We won't get into it for very much. But people have no idea. If people had an idea what could go wrong in certain, you know, fragile phases of life for instance pregnancy i think they'd be a lot more careful but i don't know it's just me I'm yeah no one would leave the house i don't know yeah that's true <laughs> that would be terrible never mind i i started getting like that when i was on my medical examiner's rotation like you just oh, start sure. seeing the way that all these people die and you're like oh what well. you know what really um what I learned is that um, at a death scene, whether it's a, a murder or a suspicious death or just a natural death, if you die in your home or wherever, they take photos of the area where you've died just in case it becomes uh, comes up in a question later. So if you die in your house, they take pictures of your fridge, your trash, your living area. So I started keeping my apartment real clean after that rotation. <laughs> I, had <laughs> I was like, no if I die, idea. I can't have this place a mess. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh, that's yeah. funny. That's that's similar Something to Something you don't think if about. I, if if I die, don't let my mother clean out my closet before you go get X, Y, yeah. and Z out of there. Well, and yeah. and they take they take pictures of the body, obviously. So if there's people who die in like autoerotic situations, we had oh, several of those. Man. You know, we had to go to all these <laughs> medical examiner lectures and they show you, you know, pictures of all these different yeah 
uh, modes of death because you have to be able to identify that for your boards. That's part of our education. And um, I can't tell you how many of those pictures we've seen, but, you know, just, I don't know. Oh, it's, it's, there's a lot, to a think lot about. of ways to die. Yeah, a lot of, mm-hmm, a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Yeah. So anyway, I started driving a little bit slower. And mm-hmm. Yeah, realizing like yeah. this, this, this life is more fragile than I think for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's sad. Oh and, and that's kind of a depressing um, field. <laughs> I didn't think it would bother me, but it is kind of, to think about it every day or have to do that every day. It is. My 17-year-old thinks she wants to go into forensics, and she's a very sensitive person. So I'm like, oh, honey, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Just be like running uh, the uh, gel electrophoresis in the lab. Yeah, like I, I think I think the lab is kind of cool, more like a CSI type uh, situation. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, but just in, going the to the death scenes isn't as oh. glamorous as you'd think it would be. No, it's upsetting yeah. and dangerous and not nearly as yeah. dangerous as TV would want us to think, but dangerous nonetheless. Right. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, this is the point at which I usually say, tell the listeners where they can find you, but nobody can find you. And that is okay. <laughs> but oh my gosh, thank you, you so can, much. You can find me at the gastroenterology office. <laughs> Actually, I just got my colonoscopy, so we're good. Yeah, you're good for a while. You don't have to go to that place. Well, I, yeah, my husband and I, I just, I'm going to turn 50 next month and my husband is 50. And we're, so we're woefully behind. We should have already had our screening colonoscopies. So yeah. happen soon. Oh, On the gosh. bright side, it's a nice nap. So yeah, yeah, for sure. And it doesn't, now they use medicine that you don't really have a hangover from because that, I don't like the idea of wasting a whole day, but uh, like when yeah, I have my EGD yeah. done. Yeah. All right. Well, Lola, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for being <laughs> on the you. Fancy Free Podcast. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the Fancy Free Podcast. We will see you next time. And remember, no one is as fancy as they look. <laughs> <laughs>